Hello, happy Saturday, and welcome to Pridecast Live on KPFK 90.7 FM and streaming live on kpfk.org. This is Vic Jaramie, your host and narrator for the next 11 hours as we commemorate Pride Month in solidarity with Global Pride, which is today, as well as Black Lives Matter. You're in for a huge treat as we have 12 exciting, entertaining, and original shows for you in the next 11 hours from very diverse, talented, and notable programmers from KPFK, the Stonewall Democratic Club, as well as new voices to the station. Pridecast Live is a collaboration of independent and progressive radio KPFK 90.7 FM, my show, The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK, and the Stonewall Democratic Club, the nation's oldest LGBTQ and feminist political group advocating for progressive issues since 1975. Pridecast Live also features several well-known and celebrated guests, including Pennsylvania Representative Malcolm Kenyatta and Brian Sims, journalist Jared Hill, actress and activist Blossom, Crystal Brown, Rabbi Dennis Egger, Lester Ponte, president of the Stonewall Democratic Club, and Drexel Hurd, the executive director of the LA County Democratic Party. Because you were born this way, baby. This is my third and most important year producing KPFK's Pride program, especially due to recent murder of George Floyd and many other black Americans who were victims of police brutality caused by institutionalized and systematic anti-black racism. With our nation in turmoil and Americans facing uncertainty, Pride 2020 is not Pride as usual. With the current situation and an ongoing COVID-19 crisis, Pride 2020 is about solidarity with black Americans and all other marginalized minorities. We will show the true meaning of pride on this 50th anniversary of LA Pride, which are resistance, activism, and resilience. I'm thrilled to have worked closely with the Stonewall Democratic Club on this year's program. I feel that it's a natural fit for KPFK, known as Radio Powered by the People, to partner with the country's leading LGBTQ political advocacy organization for this historic Pride program. The Blunt Post with Vic is proud to be a co-producing partner and bring a lineup of very exciting and inspiring shows. I hope that you enjoy the next 11 hours and I wish you a very happy Pride. Well, welcome to Pridecast Live for Pride Month 2020 on KPFK. Just so you know, if you're just tuning in, this program is a collaboration between KPFK 90.7 FM, my show, The Blunt Post with Vic, which is on KPFK on Monday mornings, uh, as well as Stonewall Democratic Club, which is the longest, the oldest LGBT political advocacy and feminist and human rights organization in the country. So we're very happy to collaborate with the Stonewall Democratic Club this year. 
Pridecast Live. We have quite a program and a quite a distinguished panel of guests and speakers with us today. So I want to tell everyone, you know, who our guests are. I'll start with Kevin Fleming, who is the program director at KPFK. Uh, Kevin is responsible for over 100 programs that air on KPFK 24-7. So very glad to have you here with us, Kevin. Thank you, Vic. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate it. Next, we have Lester Ponte, who is the president of the Stonewall Democratic Club. Thank you for having me. Thanks for uh, being with us. And as I said, Lester is the president of the Stonewall Democratic Club. Next, we have Drexler Hurd. And Drexel is the executive director of the LA County Democratic Party, as well as the community vice president of the Demo- uh, Stonewall Democratic Club. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, Drexel. Next is Ryan Basham, and Ryan is uh, the communications vice president of the Stonewall Democratic Club, as well as he works as a surrogate for Vice President Joe Biden's campaign. Thanks for uh, working with me on this, Ryan. Thanks for, uh, thanks for this awesome collaboration, and thanks for having me. Yeah, it's totally exciting. And then last but not least, we have... Alex Mohajer, who is member of the steering committee of the Stonewall Democratic Club and the chair of the public and media relations, uh, as well as brand management. Alex, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so this is an exciting time. It's a very tumultuous time for pride for our nation. Pride has changed uh, a lot in nature this year. Although when looking back at 2017, the first Pride after the 2016 elections, I think Pride started to have a different meaning. You know, we, like in Los Angeles, we got rid of the parade and we had a resist march instead. And I think Pride probably has not been the same and some of it for good reason. And this year, of course, Pride is taking on a whole other meaning well, first, we've you know the, the nation has been beset with COVID nineteen, followed by multiple murders of Black Americans due to police brutality and systematic racism, and of course the last one, not really the last one, but the last notable one that sort of woke up a lot of people was the murder of George Floyd. So, uh, I want to say that pride this year for me, and I think a lot of people would agree with this, is really a pride that extends to having solidarity with Black Americans and Black Lives Matter as a movement because, you know, we're all marginalized people and uh, it's really important to combine and show solidarity. So that's how I feel about Pride 2020, but I don't want to do all the talking and I want to first go to Uh, Kevin Fleming and ask Kevin, um, how do you feel about Pride this year? How do you feel about uh, what we're doing at KPFK and the inclusion and partnership with the Stonewall Democratic Club? Well, first of all, thank you once again, Vic, for allowing me this opportunity to share our views from KPFK. You summed it up very well. Um, We look at the Pride presentation, the Pride uh, Month celebration, and of course, our live Pride cast, uh, as well as the the current issues in the country that's going on with Black Lives Matter and police protests and the uh, social unrest in America and also throughout the world, as something we should address 
uh, confront, discuss, and bring to the forefront because we know that it's not being discussed on a, a national level uh, through corporate media like it should be. So it's our pleasure and our honor to bring forth this type of programming. Um, when you brought to me the idea that you wanted to do a day of pride, uh, we worked together, we collaborated, uh, opened the door and the opportunity for you to bring in uh, other groups and other uh, representatives from the community and give a real opportunity to express some thoughts and some, some interest that may not be getting uh, expressed on, on the radio and on in media right now. So it's certainly our pleasure to do so, and we're glad to be able to. And, and this relationship has been very promising and very good for our communities that we serve. Yeah, I think, you know, to me, it's such a natural fit. Um, KPFK is one of the last remaining media outlets that's truly of the people, for the people, uh, commercial-free, um, democratic and unapologetically progressive and I you know I just this is my personal opinion I, I think Stonewall Democratic Club is such as well and works tirelessly like KPFK for I would say beyond just the LGBTQ community but all marginalized people and so for me it's a it's a natural fit to bring all of this together and celebrate this unprecedented Pride Month. And with that, I'm going to go to Drexel. Welcome again. You have, uh, you know, many, many perspectives. I'm not going to say two, two, but, but for, this, for the sake of, you know, you being on the show today, you are, on one hand, the executive director of the L.A. County Democratic Party. On the other hand, you are part of the team at the Stonewall Democratic Club. So you're a busy guy, and I'd like your perspective on uh, all that's happening, Pride 2020, what it means, uh, where, how did we get here, and what should be and could be. Um, sure. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of a question. That's a lot. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that one of the, one of the interesting things that's been happening, uh, over the past few weeks certainly has been in, um, how we have rerouted the conversation about, uh, what pride actually means. Um, I think that the opportunity to talk about LGBT history and certainly pride history, uh, in a way where we are, um, making sure that the leaders and those who have paved the way uh, for us to get to this moment um, are, are being reminded the Marsha P. Johnsons, the Bayard Rustins, uh, those names that people kind of have heard, but you know don't really make it a part of their uh, normal conversations because we're so inundated, um, you know, with the fabulous people from RuPaul's Drag Race or any of the people that we see um, on, on on television uh, and, and in the media. Uh, and, 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 and pioneers don't really get the recognition that they normally um, would, should deserve. And so now we are in a moment where that is necessary. Um, we're seeing companies all over, um, you know, make changes to how they have um, put, you know, black faces on their products uh, in, in, terms of, in terms of pride, you know, Pride, especially here in Los Angeles, has been kind of forced to work with black organizations more than they would have in the past. And if they don't, then um, I think people are, are certainly have a problem with that. You saw two West Hollywood City Council members uh, this week alone um, 
suggest that Christopher Street West not be the uh, ones to produce pride. And so those are the conversations that are that, that are tough and necessary. And uh, I think it's going to help it help the community in the long run. That is also not to say that our LGBT community does not have its own race problem. Um, and, 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 and while, you know, and I've said it many times, and, um, and I don't want anyone to take it as a slight on their activism. Um, however, the same people that you'll see out there marching um, and certainly touting Black Lives Matter or anything else uh, are, are some of the same people who, who won't date Black people or the same people who won't have black friends, or the same people uh, who, who have no black friends. And so they're going to be, there's going to be a little bit more of, you'll, you'll start to see a little bit more of that. And I think people are going to start to notice that a little bit more. Uh, and, and, and those same people aren't going to change after this is all over. And uh, so, you know, I, some people might, but I, I, I would bet to say that a majority of people won't. And so I think that uh, it's going to be a very long road uh, for the LGBT community as it pertains to minorities uh, inside the community, um, you know, and, and that's just uh, a product of, this, of the current climate. Ask me in a couple of months and, and see where we are, uh, see if we're still in this consistent conversation. Uh, but as we've seen over the past few years, since, especially since Donald Trump's been president, um, our attention span as Americans and our focus um, from day to day changes, and I think that that's going to uh, we'll, we'll start to see where we are, um, you know, in, in a few months. Thank you, Drexel. That was uh, very eloquent, considering the fifteen questions I threw at you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is Pridecast live on KPFK ninety point seven FM and streaming live on kpfk.org. I am your host, Vic Jarami. And you're listening to a special episode of The Blunt Post with Vic as part of an 11-hour program commemorating Pride Month. Because you were born this way, baby. Keep KPFK strong on the web. Digital services cost KPFK real money. KPFK is more than what you hear on the radio. At kpfk.org, you can listen to our live stream along with our on-demand content whenever you like. These digital services are free for you, but they cost us more money each year. For all of those times you've gone to kpfk.org, discovered new information, and shared it with others, please consider making a donation today. Just click the Donate button at kpfk.org. Thank you. Hello, I'm Armistead Maupin, author of Tales of the City. IMRU Radio Magazine has been the voice of the LGBT community in Southern California since 1974. And you can listen every Monday night from 7 to 8 p.m. right here on KPFK. Podcast Live 2020 on KPFK. We have Lester, uh, Lester Ponte, the president of the Stonewall Democratic Club. So Lester, I've been asking everyone their perspective on Pride 2020. What is 
pride evolved into and how is how is that for you your perspective but also from the point of view of stonewall democratic club and the road ahead if not forever but just the next five to six months i think we are all struggling without a properly approached um, uh pride this year how to conceptualize it and you know i it, obviously there's nothing wrong with celebrating pride and being happy about it and wanting to be a time to be together with other LGBTQ people. Um, we have to remember a lot of people in our community are still having trouble coming out, especially young people who may face family uh, rejection. And so this is a time when they feel free to be themselves and to be with other people like them. Um, so that's still important. Uh, but at the same time, we're all facing a pandemic, so we can't be out on the streets in mass like we used to be. And um, we're living in a historic moment that it's important that we all understand and try to act upon. I mean, this is not the first time people have had to go out on the streets to protest systemic racism. And every single time we set up a commission and come up with some recommendations that are never followed up on, I mean, we thought in 1992, after the uprising, we would have some real change, and there was some change, but clearly not enough, and in a lot of places in the country, things have gotten worse. So, you know, we have to balance the celebration of pride and just being proud with making sure that we watch out for our African-American brothers and sisters, especially those in our community. Uh, even before this became big news, there was a, an epidemic of uh, attacks and uh, violent attacks and murders of transgender people of color all over the country. And very few people were remembering the names of these uh, victims. Uh, and it's important that we have them in the conversation. As for Stonewall, you know, we are a political organization. We made a decision. Well, a decision was made before I was around. I wasn't around in 75. I'm not that old uh, as far <laughs> as being a member of the club. Uh, but from the beginning, Stonewall saw the electoral process as a way to advance the cause of civil rights and equality for our community, for women and people of color. And we've continued that mission. So in the next few months, we are very focused on electing Democrats up and down the ballot. And President Biden to the member of members of the water board and the school boards because every level of government is important that we have progressive people who want to make real change. And that's what we focused on. I mean, we do support the protest and we let people know about them and we come out to them. We always have a contingent of pride. We had a contingent at the resist march a few years ago, but most of our work is electoral. We wanna make sure, especially this year, that the right people get elected to office. Amen. I was nodding my head and agreeing with everything you were saying. Oh, well, well said. So thank you for that. Ryan, let's bring you in since we're talking elections and you are closely working uh, on Vice President Joe Biden's campaign. What is Pride like for you this year? And, and how does that encompass everything that you're doing politically, both with Stonewall and the Biden campaign? Well, you know, I think those of us who are 
regularly in the habit of organizing the LGBTQ community. Um, we really like to take advantage of Pride, Pride Month, Pride Festivals, because our people uh, come together, or at least many sections of our, of the, um, many of the sections of the community that make up the greater whole come together for Pride events. And, um, and it's a great time to uh, get their attention, collect their email address, collect their phone number, uh, register them to vote. And so, um, you know, we, we are, I think, trying to do the best we can with what we've got in terms of, of organizing the LGBTQ community without that ready, stable, you know, source, that, that, that rich vein of, of LGBTQ people who can become voters and um, volunteers and activists. I mean, and that's, and that's not just in our community, voter registration, new voter registration is down 50% from this time in 2016. And so it's not just our community that's having a hard time reaching our people. It's, um, it's, uh, you know, it, from the, the Biden campaign up down to every, every organization, every campaign that wants to do, you know, I mean, there are metrics to hit in terms of registering people to vote. It's kind of one of the one of the core fundamental things of making sure that your people are going to be able to actually get out there and 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 vote for people who are going to support the LGBTQ community and our causes and progressive issues in general. Um, and so we're getting creative. We're getting on the radio with you. We're um, we're going virtual with um, with uh, events um, that are anywhere from a house a virtual house party to. Uh, what we're doing um, in the evening with our Pride at 50 retrospective event that uh, Alex is going to be moderating, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later, and, and produced by Drexel. So we're we're getting creative, but that's what we do. LGBTQ people have always found creative ways to get ahead and get out from under the the, the boot of oppression, and and it makes me think of you know one of the things that Harvey Milk is most famous for is. Um, Creating an alliance with beer distributors in San Francisco in order to uh, to rage against the machine that was oppressing LGBTQ people and, and, and criminalizing them just for consuming alcohol and for being in bars. So, um, uh, uh, and a society that would that would that would not allow them to be in bars. So, you know, little little things here and there where we can get creative to reach our people and reach our people's allies and motivate people to, to get involved early and often and to get out and actually vote. That's, that's what we're here to do. You know, if all the people who, if all the registered LGBTQ voters in Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin had, had actually shown up and voted, um, they would have turned the tide in those states and Donald Trump would never have won the Electoral College. And that's true across the country. So if, if we get out, and vote, we make a difference, and our rights won't be trampled upon like the Trump administration has been for nearly four years now. So that's the goal. That's where our head is, and I think for the next 150 days or so, uh, that's going to be what we're eating, breathing, and sleeping, um, and then we hope to wake up the next morning and uh, find a better world. Sounds like a good plan to me, Wayne. Alex, I want to bring you in now. Alex, you're, you're doing a lot, um, working with the Stonewall Democratic Club as well as um, you're involved with a couple of other programs in the next 11 hours, almost 10 hours. Well, just over 10 hours. Just like everyone else, tell me your perspective and your opinion about the meaning of Pride this year and its evolution and also what are you looking forward to? For me, Pride this year is about intersectionality and privilege. So we don't have LGBTQIA Pride Month without black people. And we don't have LGBTQIA 
Pride Month without trans people. And the you know our name, our our namesake, Stonewall Democratic Club, comes from uh, was birthed from a riot. Uh, it was a brick that was thrown at the Stonewall Inn yep. about fifty one years ago now. Um, and it was a trans woman of color that threw that brick. I know Drexel brought up Martha P. Johnson. Um, and to me, that's what this is about. And we see that as we're going into Pride Month, seeing basically national, if in fact global, protests happening about racial justice. I think that queer people, the LGBTQIA community, has a unique responsibility to support uh, those protests, to support black bodies, to learn about where you're privileged and extend that privilege where you're, you see others uh, who don't have the same rights, who don't have the same comfortability. Um, I, I know I can walk down the street or get pulled over by a police officer and not die at the end of it. And so that's the kind of thing as a queer person who is a part of an organization uh, that really started um, based on dissent and challenging the status quo and um, fighting for equality, I, I feel a unique responsibility personally. And so that's what Pride Month is about for me. Um, it's about coming together to support this movement. Very important to me. And I'm learning a lot. It's a learning curve for me too. Just having conversations and checking my own privilege and being able to say like, these are the ways that I didn't realize that I participate in the system. And I can be a minority and be a person who has, as a part of a minority group that has been oppressed and also be privileged at the same time in different ways. And um, it's been uh, really, I remain very optimistic um, because of what I'm seeing. I've been an activist my entire life and what I'm seeing right now feels like one of the biggest challenges to the status quo that I have ever seen in my lifetime. And I know that I'm relatively young, <laughs> but um, you know, it's, it's, very heartening to me and I hope that we can move this this movement into actual political and electoral change. I think if you are out there at your you're at a gay pride march and you're shirtless and you have Black Lives Matter tattooed on your chest in permanent marker, I hope that you certainly hope that you are registered to vote as well and prepared to make change at the ballot box and that you're not just using this as an inflection point uh, fad or or something to promote your own allyship. Allyship is about more than saying you're an ally, it's about being an ally. And I think that, that we will have the most consequential election of our lifetimes in less than 150 days. And um, I am very, very concerned about the possible intervention and um, very racist, oppressive, systemic problems with our elections that could uh, interfere with the will of the people in that. I think people need to be very engaged and activated and carry this enthusiasm through to November. And that's what Pride Month means to me right now. All right, thanks, Alex. You know, you said intersectionality. I think that's really, it's everything's morphed into that now. Uh, of course, there are those that don't act like that, but then there's those of us that see the importance of that even more so what's happening. This is Pridecast Live on KPFK 90.7 FM and streaming live on kpfk.org. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you're listening to a special episode of The Blunt Post with Vic as part of an 11-hour program commemorating Pride Month. Innovating dialogue, informative public affairs, news and information, innovative music, 
non-commercial, listener-supported, culturally diverse radio. We are KPFK, 90.7 FM, Los Angeles. Bottom line, I'm going to make it home. Because you were born this way, baby. Pridecast Live for Pride Month 2020 on KPFK. I want to sort of ask a question to all of you and then see who wants to discuss it. You know, it's good news. It's the it's the brand new Supreme Court decision. But before that, Kevin, if I may, I want to ask you about, you know, as a as a unique progressive organization, KPFK, it's a voice that's uh, very rare. Where is KPFK at in this present moment? And what can people expect uh, as we lead toward November? Well, certainly, um as we all are faced with challenges from the COVID crisis to the economy, to the protests, to our quest for social justice, we are all faced with first time going through something like this. And it makes our station really have to, to dig deep and to look within, uh, to look to our listeners, to look to our volunteers, to look to our staff, look to our board, uh, to help us come up with solutions as to how we keep our station viable and serving the communities that we serve here in Southern California. So KPFK, to be quite honest, faced with some severe financial challenges. We don't get money from the Corporation of Public Broadcasting. Uh, we don't take money from corporations that want to dictate our program. So 90% uh, of our revenue comes from the listeners. And when the listeners are hurt, that you know that translates to us being hurt. So we're challenged. At the same time, we understand the responsibility of disseminating information and sharing concepts and being inclusive with our communities. So the commitment to doing news and telling stories and being balanced and offering a perspective that you don't get in on. Uh, Fox News and whatnot is still there and will continue to be there. So we want to treat people and we want people to treat people like they would want to be treated. So we present an opportunity for uh, many of our minority communities, you might want to say, or marginalized people to have an opportunity to get on a microphone and, and share their story. True. So that will, that will certainly continue on KPOK. Amen to that. Thank you, Kevin. So a few days ago, we had this sort of, we woke up to this great surprise that the Supreme Court ruled six to three that the civil rights cover the LGBTQIA community, that the word sex also applies to sexual orientation and gender identity, basically meaning that queer people, LGBTQIA plus people cannot be discriminated or fired uh, at work in any kind of employment due to their sexual orientation and gender identity. And I know all of you know that. I'm saying this for perhaps some of our listeners may not know the extent of what that means and how huge this is. So any one of you who wants to chime in and just continue and sort of give us your uh, opinion and perspective on that. Uh, hi, this is Lester. Um, yeah, I was surprised too, and I am an employment lawyer for a living. so. This is actually some, my area of expertise, and I was flabbergasted that we got a 6-3 decision in our favor. I was dreading 
the decision because, you know, this is about interpreting a law that was passed in 1964 to prohibit discrimination on, among other grounds, sex. And let's not kid ourselves, in 1964, there was a single person in Congress who thought we should pass a law to protect LGBT people. We were not in their minds at all. Um, and uh, the reason this happened is because we had an administration, the Biden, I'm sorry, the Obama-Biden administration, the Biden administration is the next one, um, that listened to the advocacy of our community and passed a regulation that interpreted that same act as including LGBT people among the definition of sex. And it's a clever argument. The law says you can't discriminate on the basis of sex. The administration said, well, that must mean that you cannot discriminate against somebody whose expression is other than the gender they were assigned at birth because that is, in effect, discriminated against them because of their sex. You're treating them differently because of their sex. Fast forward to the Trump administration. The Trump administration took the opposite position. They said, no, there is no law prohibiting discrimination against gays, lesbians, transgender people. Uh, so they took the opposite. They actually switched the position of the government in these cases midstream. What this means for us is in half of the states where there were no laws before protecting us from discrimination of employment, now we are protected under federal law. And that is a huge milestone. We've been fighting for this literally since Stonewall. Um, so I cannot, um, you know, we cannot exaggerate how revolutionary this will be for us. Yeah, absolutely. Revolutionary is the word. I agree. It's, it's, it's been a stunning thing in a very tumultuous year, sort of ups and, ups and downs. So thank you Can for I that. Can I chime in too and say yeah, of course. that it, this is a cause for major celebration for our community and everyone should celebrate it. But to be sure, the threat is very much so ongoing. And while the Supreme Court mm -hmm. may see the writing on the wall, and I mean, I believe that they're looking around at what's going, around, going on in our country, and they aren't down for having even more riots and protests, because I think that's the, the inflection point that we're at. But to be sure, just days before the Supreme Court ruled on this, the Trump administration rolled back laws that protect transgender Americans from right. health care. And that, that happened four days, four years to the day of the uh, Pulse nightclub attack that happened in uh, Orlando. Yeah. In Orlando. And if you look up the, the onslaught of assault that this president and his, and his administration has taken against the LGBTQ plus community, it's, it's, down, it's about housing, the housing of homeless uh, uh, transgender people, the appointment of bigoted people to his administration, to U.S. foreign aid agencies, to all sorts of positions, um, even up to his inner circle. The, this president, is, there's no qualms about it, and his administration view us as an enemy and take constant actions against us. So while the Supreme Court ruling was in our favor, and we should celebrate that, we have to remain very vigilant about making sure, as I said earlier, for fighting for electoral change and getting this administration out of the White House. And then our work is not done. Our work continues on. That's just 
a part of the work. And then we've got to make sure that the people that we do elect stay true to us and do what we put them there to do. And I just wanted to say that. This is, this is true. I mean, eight years of uh, President Obama's work, diligent work in advancing human rights for the LGBTQ people has been um, chipped away in the last three and a half years by the Trump administration. So absolutely. First focus, I don't know who said it, but is to get uh, Vice President Joe Biden uh, in the White House, do that, and then move on from there. Our, our work is definitely not done. Drexel, do you um, want to chime in? I mean, I think that from the political world, I, I think it's I think the 6-3 decision, like like um, Lester said, um, was shocking to everybody. Not necessarily what was said, but who was who said it. Right. I, I think that it coming from Neil Gorsuch certainly was a shock to a lot of people, and not just his, not just the way that they affirmed Title VII, how it encompassed uh, the community, but also how he kind of affirmed our transgender community and, and, and sexual identity and gender identity as a part of what his uh, majority opinion was. And I think that that really shocked a lot of people. And, uh, you know, what we've seen uh, through that particular case, and of course today with the Docker case, um, you know, we've seen John Roberts over the past, uh, Chief Justice Roberts over the past um, a few times, uh, side with uh, the LGBTQ community, or, you know, and, and other um, minority-focused uh, cases that we have con- are continuously shocked about every time he does it. So um, I think that you know, like I said, this case certainly will have implications, and it's, it's, you know, echoing what everybody says uh, across the country, and, and Republicans certainly are going to use that as fodder probably for their base over the next few months but like we've seen you don't want to be on the wrong side of this and in this case the president is on the wrong side of DACA and he is on the wrong side of human rights and uh, and that is something that Democrats have to be focused on uh, as we have to con- as we continue the conversations uh, through November. Thank well, you. I, and I just want to chime in and you know point out you know the it's really fun to read the conservative quote-unquote legal scholars who regularly write in newspapers and stuff right now analyzing the, you know, trashing the opinions that have uh, on, on the DACA case and the Title VII case um, written by the conservative justices that they thought they could count on to dismantle things like abortion. And, and, and it, what makes it really, what just crystallizes for me, you know, most liberal moderates and liberals and progressives don't realize that the conservative movement has been working for decades to funnel to this moment right here where they could stack the courts from the from the Supreme Court all the way down the federal court system with their ideologically aligned kinfolk so that they could, instead of, you know, ruling by the majority and rolling the majority of people to vote for people to pass legislation that they wanted, they could use the courts to force upon us their, you know, their version of Gilead from Handmaid's Tale one little bit at a time. Right. And, um, and so when, we, when, our, when our people don't show up at midterm elections, don't show up at primaries, stay home during the presidential election, that leaves us vulnerable to a president who could appoint more justices who could do things that hurt people, like the things that hope that we're grateful didn't happen this week. But, and that, that's not just Supreme Court justices, um, that's judges all the way down, and it's not just the president, it's also the U.S. Senate. So, so one of the things I just want to point out here is we have to always be vigilant. There are elections all the time, and the votes we make in all of them end up deciding ultimately down the road who's going to be making the last call when it comes to whether or not 
DACA recipients get to stay in this country and be protected, whether or not uh, trans folks are going to be explicitly spelled out and protected in a ruling that protects the LGBTQ community as a whole. We have to keep our eye on this all the time. It's not fun and it doesn't necessarily feel good. It's not exciting. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, like Ben Franklin said, it's, you know, a democracy if you can keep it. And this is our if you can keep it part. Yeah. And Ryan, I just want to add to that, you know, Donald Trump's legacy really will be, even if he's gone this November, what his lasting legacy will be for our entire lifetimes is that he is has at an unprecedented level stacked the federal judiciary with very young conservative judges who have lifetime appointments to those to those seats. And this is not the Supreme Court. These are lower level judges all across the country who get to interpret the law. They ideologically see fit. It's a huge problem. The fight will have to continue after this. And um, that's just the unfortunate reality. Yeah. Absolutely. Trump is on the brink of having appointed 200 federal judges, which is more than President Obama was able to get confirmed in his entire eight years in office. And they're not just conservative. I mean, we're not talking John Roberts or Justice Kennedy conservative. We're talking really radical people. Sometimes we hear Trump saying things and his administration taking positions on legal issues. That sounds so absurd when you listen to it. And yet he has judges who would actually rule that way because that's what Trump wants. Like when Trump says he can pardon himself, sounds absurd, right? There's 200 judges out there who will agree with him. Um, and the Supreme Court is not done. Trump gets another term, or even, God forbid, between now and November. There could be more vacancies in the Supreme Court. Um, there's at least three justices who are over 70 years old. So, I mean, we're winning a lot of these cases. 5-4-6-3 was a real shot. Roberts is really trying desperately to save the reputation of the court. But he will lose his majority. There's one more Trump appointee. God forbid. Well, let's get blunt. If, God forbid, Trump is reelected, it's a disaster. I don't know. It's the end. It's Armageddon. I, I don't know what else to say about that. But uh, let's not give him any airtime or energy. Uh, <laughs> this is Pridecast Live on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you're listening to a special 11-hour program commemorating Pride Month by KPFK programmers, as well as programmers from the Stonewall Democratic Club and guest hosts joining us today for 12 shows in the next 11 hours. Enjoy and happy Pride. The Blunt Post with Vic. An exceptional way to support KPFK is by donating your old vehicle to the station. Whether it's operational or not, you receive a tax write-off and we retain a portion of the funds to keep KPFK powered by the people. To donate, please call 877-KPFK-AUTO. That is 877-KPFK-AUTO. Let's talk about what's coming up in the next uh, 10 hours, the programs. Ryan, do you have some input? Some of the shows you want to highlight that are going to be coming up soon? Well, I, there's a lot of stuff coming up, but I'm really excited about, um, uh, well, I'm excited about all of it, but I'll just mention a few things that, uh, that, I've, um, uh, that uh, folks can look forward to. There's going to be 
uh, a great segment from Stonewall's longstanding uh, kind of a capstone podcast, Stonewall Spotlight, where um, they're going to uh, revisit a conversation they had with uh, Phil Wilson, um, who is an icon in the movement, uh, specifically for the health and well-being of the LGBTQ community. Um, uh, we also have uh, some interviews with some current members of Stonewall's leadership development program, who are um, who we really we consider to be the uh, the leaders of tomorrow, and we're really excited to share them with you. Um, we have a, a, a piece on faith and queerness with faith leaders across several um, uh, denominations and, and religions. Um, and, and there's a whole lot of other stuff uh, coming up that um, deals with feminism. And, and there's also uh, a really awesome a, a new uh, show that we're doing at Stonewall, um, new podcast called The Readdown, which is, I don't know, right now I'm pitching it to people as like a mix between, it's a very queer mix between The View and Pod Save America. I'm still working on the pitch, okay. uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and, um, and I can't wait for uh, everybody to hear all this great stuff. Yeah, it's exciting. I know that Alex is uh, hosting one of the shows, right, Alex? Yeah, I was able to uh, talk to our leadership uh, team, members of our leadership team, for about an hour, and um, I just want to tease it with you guys now that it ended up being an hour really beautiful conversations. I got choked up and even cried during one of them during a conversation about privilege. Yeah. Um, these are really beautiful, well-spoken people who come from really diverse backgrounds and it's the kind of voices that we want to amplify at Stonewall, people who we want to give a platform to and to help educate and inform and touch you with their stories and just their perspectives. So I think it's going to be a really beautiful education touching hour and I'm really excited to share it with you. Awesome. Yeah, Look words forward to that. Words can express like how how awesome these people are, and the words that they have to say. I think they're going to hang on every word. And Alex is also one of the co-hosts of the Read Down, that other uh, program that I mentioned. So right. y'all going to be getting a lot of Alex today. Sweet. Looking forward to all the shows. You're and welcome. Drexel is also um, involved in the last hour and a half show, correct? Yeah, I mean, as the community VP, you know, we thought it was. Um, you know, I was working with Pride Chair Matthew Petraeus, and we thought it was, you know, a really good idea to, to do something this month um, for Pride, especially this is at the time we didn't think there was going to be any sort of march um, at all, and, and, and of course recent events changed uh, that slightly, but came up with this uh, Pride at 50. I know Ryan uh, is instrumental in helping us kind of create that title, um, and because it is the 50, 50th anniversary of Pride this year, and, and so, you know, we've got a really great panel of people that Alex is going to moderate with, and, and uh, you know, Alex uh, coming from Bros for Hillary certainly has that uh, that 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 great background of making sure you know, talking to folks and, and, and getting the answers that he needs. So it's going to be a really good conversation. Um, so I'm really excited about that, and I, I hope that people enjoy it. Awesome, thanks, Drexel, and uh, Lester. What are you looking forward to for all the different programs? Are you involved in any other show? Well, you're involved because you're the president, but in it or well, producing it? You know, these guys make it a lot easier to be president because they always make us look good, and I don't have to tell them what to do. I don't have to worry that they're not doing their jobs or coming up with new and exciting things that I hadn't even thought about. So I am very proud of each and every one. Lester is our booming voice from above that goes, I see all <laughs> I know. 
Right. Uh, Lester, uh, Lester is um, uh, one of my favorite things about Lester as leader is he, he he's his attitude is if you got a great idea, run with it. A lot of this is because he gives us the uh, the space to uh, to spread our wings a bit and create awesome ideas like like uh, Drexel's um, uh, concept for what became Pride at Fifty was, is super cool. And honestly, I mean, so there's some heavy hitters on that panel. I, uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to call them all out for the sake of time, but one of them is one of my favorite people in the world, Tori Osborne, who um, was, uh, she was the first, she used former executive director of the LA LGBT Center, and she was the first executive director in the country to secure federal funding to treat people living with HIV AIDS. And this was in the height of the AIDS epidemic. And she's gone on to do many other things, and there are also really some other really awesome people on that panel. But um, it just, uh, n there, there is no... Um, there are no filler tracks on today's soundtrack, y'all. That's the bottom line. Sweet. I'm really excited to talk to uh, Blossom Brown, who is my, your viewers, your listeners rather, might remember from the CNN presidential town hall, there was a trans activist who disrupted the event and uh, started trying to draw attention to trans um, issues and the right. murder of trans women of color. And she was so dynamic and explosive and wonderful. And I was there in in the audience with Drexel and I believe Brian. Mm -hmm. And uh, you guys remember it was a really electric moment. So uh, I'm really excited to talk to her and just kind of give her a platform to share about her experience with Pride. Fantastic. We have a lot of great shows coming up, some from Stonewall Democratic Club programmers, some from KPFK programmers. and and some from uh, neither. Matt Breen, Matthew Breen, who is the former editor of The Advocate and the editorial director of uh, Pride Media, and then formerly, or lastly, he was the editorial director of uh, Logo Network for five years. Uh, Matthew is doing a one-hour show as well, so our listeners and viewers and everyone else is in for a treat. So I, I just want to close the show, first of all, again, to, to thank all of you for uh, being part of Pridecast Live uh, as a partnership uh, with KPFK and Stowell Democratic Club, as well as the Run Post with Vic. But also, um, before we go, just tell people uh, what they should look forward to or in terms of the show and what's coming up. Start with Lester. Well, I mean, as far as the show, we are doing our best to balance the need to celebrate pride and all our accomplishments with living up to this historic moment um, uh, in America. Um, we have a lot of work to do in the next few months. Complacency is our biggest enemy. Uh, and we want to make sure everybody is registered to vote, comes out to vote, and then we can have the biggest celebration ever in November of 2020. And again on January 20th, 2021. Amen. Absolutely. Well said. Drexel, parting words? Uh, I think one of the things that we want to make sure, like Lester said, is that people are getting out to vote. That's really, listen, we can talk about pride all day, uh, but really it, it, it is going to be hopefully a joyous day on uh, November 3rd or whenever we get the election results. Uh, who knows when <laughs> we get the election results. Um, uh, sometime in November, hopefully, um, when, you know, we've elected Joe Biden's president. So, um, you know, I want to make sure that our listeners know that uh, how important voting is, not just at the federal level. You're not just voting for Joe Biden this election. You're also voting for a slew of candidates all across 
uh, your counties, especially if you're in LA County at the local level, at the state level, uh, because that's where a lot of the change happens. Um, you know, you want to you want to talk about criminal justice reform. You want to talk about police reform. That happens at the local level. That happens with you know the the DA's race here in LA, uh, which is very important. And George Gascon is going up up against a very formidable uh, current DA and Jackie Lacey, you know, who's backed by the police unions and and and, and tons of uh, special interest money. So. Uh, you know, those are the very important races that I think people need to be very mindful of uh, because, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, all politics is local and, and, and politics is personal. So, uh, you know, make your vote personal. Get out the vote. Fantastic. Well said. Uh, uh, well, actually, Ryan, let's do your last since uh, you and I have been working very closely on the next 10 hours. Uh, let's go to Alex. Alex, parting words. This uh, day of programming is about pride, power, and progressivism. And if you like what you hear, join us at stonewalldems.org slash join. Help us. We've got less than 150 days. Let's make a blue wave. Let's dump Trump, ditch Mitch. Make sure we take state legislatures. Let's make sure we can get electoral college reform so we don't have to deal with another Trump ever again. And that happens down ticket. Go vote in your states, in your state legislatures, down ticket all the way up and down and help uh, us make a blue wave. Uh, them that work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ryan. Uh, Alex is my favorite hype man. Uh, um, uh, yeah. What? what? Uh, so here's the thing. The next 11 hours are going to be ear candy. It's going to be really great stuff. Some of it's going to be more serious. Some of it's going to be more fun, but it's all going to be really high quality stuff. And uh, the next several months are going to be a lot of stimulation. There's going to be a lot more stuff around the coronavirus, a lot more stuff around the election. All kinds of things are going to be happening that are going to draw our attention. But the bottom line is you've got to remember to vote. Make sure now that you know what your plan to vote is. Make sure now that all your friends are already registered to vote. Even, you know, the, the, if you just vote, it makes such a difference because it shows people that are actually paying attention to who cares, that you're actually showing up, that you're actually paying attention. So make sure that you vote so that you not just get counted that day at the ballot box, but you're considered relevant by the people who are running for campaigns, running for offices in your area going forward. It's vital that you vote, not just um, now, but all the time. So just remember, have my voice ringing in your head as you listen to today's programming and as you go through the summer and fall, remember, you need to make sure you're registered to vote. You need to make sure you actually show up and vote and make sure that your friends do the same. That is the only way that we get to have a world where all of us, not just the precious few privileged of us, get to belong and feel safe and live happy, prosperous lives. Perfect, perfect ending. Just want to say thank you for all of you to, for being part of Pridecast Live to KPFK, to the Stonewall Democratic Club, and everyone who's working on it, has worked on it, and everyone who's listening, uh, we love having you, and we look forward to bringing you 10 hours of great, entertaining, inspiring uh, programming. <laughs> so let's get blunt, and so you can go out and vote for Democrats. So with that, I will end it. Happy Pride, everyone, and thank you. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Hashtag vote by mail. <laughs> Happy Pride. Well, thank you for joining me for this special episode of The Blunt Post with Vic and my guests, for whom I'm very grateful for. They were 
Kevin Fleming, who is the program director of KPFK, Lester Aponte, the president of the Stonewall Democratic Club, Drexel Hurd, who is the LA County Democratic Party's executive director, as well as community vice president of the Stonewall Democratic Club, Ryan Basham, who's the communications vice president of the Stonewall Democratic Club, and last but not least, Alex Mohajer, who is the chair of public and media relations and brand management of the Stonewall Democratic Club. Thank you all. I also would like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, who's worked tirelessly on this. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope that you enjoy the next 10 hours of Pridecast Live. The Blunt Post with Vic.